Welcome to Ark City. I'm Jimmy Kripka. Let's go. As always, this show is made possible by the support of the Land Rover U.S. Alpine team and, of course, the sponsorship of Spider Active Sports. You can go to spider.com, that's spider with a Y, to get yourself the same kind of gear that has kept the U.S. Key team warm for 30 years. Also, my personal sponsor, Mox Mind and Body, that's M-O-X, MoxMindBody.com, and use the code Jimmy Who, that's all caps, Jimmy H-W-O, to get 10% off your next purchase. If you didn't hear me last episode, the muscle roller thing, whatever, I think it's just called the muscle roller, is the real deal. It's definitely worth it if you have any kind of muscle pain, tightness, soreness, you just rub this stuff in and it works, I'm telling you, and it's not just because they're paying me. I used it before they did anyway. That's MoxMindBody.com and code Jimmy Who. Anyway. I've got a great show for you guys today. I'm psyched. This might be my best one. You tell me. First, I give you four quick headlines. Then we give Tommy Ford a call to congratulate him on his podium. After that, it's the main event. Lucas Broughton. Broughton. He he told me how to say it right, so you'll, you'll get it in the episode. And stick around for the end because I found a storyteller for our skiing history segment this week. And it's a very unique story that I'm betting most of you haven't heard. That's all I'll say now because live from Ark City, I'm Jimmy Krupka with these headlines. Rising Croatian star Filip Zubcic cemented his brand as the comeback kid winning the World Cup GS in Santa Catarina on Saturday after being 6th first run, then following it up with a podium finish on Monday after being the 21st fastest on the first run. Marco Odermatt followed up his podium on Saturday with a win on Monday, decisively taking the lead in the GS standings and in the race for the overall globe. Elsewhere in Europe, over at St. Moritz, the women's Super G doubleheader was cancelled due to the overwhelming amount of snowfall and increased avalanche danger. And the schedule continues to change this year due to COVID-19. The Women's World Cup speed events planned for Yanqing, China have been rescheduled to Val de Fossa at the end of February. And lastly, the World Cup circuit goes to France this weekend, where speed races will be held in Val d'Isère for the men and GS races in Courchevel for the women. I'm Jimmy Krupka, coming to you live from Arc City. Okay, back to my normal voice. And sorry about that one, but it's just too much fun. If you didn't already hear, Tommy Ford sliced his way to an impressive second place in Santa Catarina on Monday. Tommy is a class act, super humble, easygoing guy who I consider a fantastic role model. And without further ado, let's give him a call. Tommy Ford, welcome to Arc City and congratulations on your second place at Santa Catarina. Thank you. Good to be in our city. That was an arcing kind of course. It was. Well, you have my vote for mayor of Arc City because you were laying down some nice arcs um, in some tough conditions, it seemed. So how did it feel? Did it feel good or was it kind of bumpy and tough? Uh, honestly, it felt pretty dang good. The snow was not too bad. It looked, it looked kind of rough, but it wasn't 
actually that bad. Snow was pretty responsive. There was a couple waves here and there. Uh-huh. But uh, overall, I felt real smooth and yeah, pretty good. Nice. Well, that's always a good thing. Uh, did you have fun? Yeah, it was a blast. I was like going down and like, dang, this is like maybe a little too smooth. I thought I was like kind of <laughs> going back, which I kind of was. So yeah, I don't know, but I couldn't really shake it. I just kept going. Nice. You just had that flow. So I know you had mm-hmm. you had a slow start to the preseason training, and I know there were a lot of factors at play there. Can you tell me just a bit about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I tweaked my back midsummer, and before that, I hurt my shoulder, it separated my AC joint, and so that took a while to recover from the shoulder injury and then the back injury, um, and then started getting some better training in, or any, I guess, started getting training in Solden. Uh, and once the race, after the race, it really started to feel better and can really build some strength and uh, feel a little more resilient uh, going through the month of November, building mm-hmm. it up after training. The resilient man, Tommy Ford. Because uh, you've been through your fair share of injuries, right? Uh, yeah, I've been through some. Yeah. It hasn't been too bad. I had, I mean, I had a broken femur and a uh, the hip surgery, those are not good injuries, but they weren't, I haven't had like a ton of injuries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, were you feeling ready before those races? Were you like, okay, I'm at the place I need to be, or did it kind of come out in the races? With Santa Catarina? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could have, I felt like I needed a little more time, uh, but I okay. honestly had two, two good free ski runs after some gnarly training and right arm and it just felt uh felt more comfortable after that so that was the sound bite i needed in in basically tommy ford is nowhere near finished a whole lot uh still to show the world and you've got alta Badia up next a hill that you've had some good runs on you excited for that one yeah i mean that's classic it's so good classic fun hill yeah uh-huh. herbs good good conditions usually i mean they do what they can with it so yeah. Uh, just a blast all around. I love it. Well, I'm stoked for you, Tommy. And thank you for taking the time to visit Arc City. Of course. Anytime. Thank you, Jimmy. So, guys, before we get to Lucas, I wanted to quickly let you know that I am now on GiveGo. So, G I V E G O, GiveGo, is on the App Store. It's free to download, and you can find me on there. Submit your videos of you skiing and essentially hire me as a virtual coach. It's cheap. It allows you the ability to get feedback from a U.S. ski ski teamer while supporting me in my career. And, you know, it allows me to give back to the community by coaching, which I love doing. So, again, it's called GiveGo. Check it out. I'd love to coach you guys. And now, Lucas Broughton is a one-time World Cup winner and a 20-year-old Norwegian changing the game on and off the hill. So without further ado. Lucas Broughton, welcome back to my podcast. And for the first time, welcome to Arc City, which is um, the new name of my independent podcast. So pretty cool to have been talking to you before you got your first World Cup win. And now, obviously, you're a superstar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. It's an honor, Jimmy. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So, first off, let's talk about this weekend because you won Solden to start the season, which was sick. That was awesome. But then 
you were 12th and 13th over the weekend in Santa Catarina. And was that annoying? Was it like the kind of thing where you didn't know you were fast until you saw your time or did you feel good, but you just couldn't figure out why you weren't fast? Um, it's kind of, it was a tough weekend and, uh, obviously it's annoying cause you come from a victory and you just want to show them like, this is my one time thing. Yeah. And then you do like a 12th and a 13th place. And you know, a 12th and a 13th place in the world cup is like so good, but it's just like when you've done a victory, you're kind of, you know, adjusting your standards at that point. And, um, and you know, it was so, so rough conditions. So coming into the finish line, you know, you're kind of, you don't have any clue. Like, was that fast? Did I? Yeah. Totally choke that, or does it feel like that for anyone or anybody? Um, and it just was slow, <laughs> and that oh. just sucks. And oh. it was just four runs consecutive that was just too slow. And mm. uh, yeah, it was just silly mistakes and and annoying stuff that I think that shouldn't be happening. But that's how it is. Uh, yeah. You of all people know the yeah. margins in the sport, and uh, just gonna try to fix that total idea. Yeah, it's so hard and. And it, it sucks because like, so you've shown that you can be super, super fast. Um, but then in order to like, you know, stay high in the rankings and win a globe, you need to be consistently fast on all these different courses and hills. And in my opinion, Santa Catarina was not really a legit hill. It wasn't that it was pretty flat and whatever in short. Um, so my question is, a, is, is like, have you been working on consistency and making sure that you have the right setup and the right skiing for different hills? So what I've been trying to is because like my top speed last year in both the GS and Solom, I felt was really high and I was really happy with it. But um, as you're saying, like doing consecutive top results were just not there at, mm. at the time. And my main goal for this season was to keep my top speed, but to kind of try to establish an average speed that is pretty close to my top speed. Okay. And uh I just felt like from Solden, obviously, that was a really fast race. And I'm not hoping for every race to to be a, like, I'm not expecting every yeah, race to be yeah. up there. But I wanted to be like consecutive top tens or top fives, you know. And I think I could do that. But, uh, you know, it just shows that it's not that easy. And I got to keep grinding. And um, obviously, we haven't done, even done slalom yet. So um, can't wait to see how my stability is there. But that is obviously my main goal for this season and that has a lot to do with uh, the equipment as you're saying you know so yeah. this year i feel like that i'm starting stronger with a that, that i have a wider equipment base if i could mm-hmm. put it like that like you're number like two on atomic seen. right so yeah. so so obviously they've been supportive from day one and that has a lot to say on you know days like santa catarina which is like super tough so at least this year, I feel like I'm starting there with skis that I fully trust for conditions like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a big contribution into doing consecutive good results. But this uh, this weekend, obviously, my skiing just weren't there. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got Altabadia up next. We talked a bit about that before the podcast. But uh, actually, actually, I've been meaning to ask you this. Can you give us a proper uh, name pronunciation for us? Okay, so the whole name? Like, yes, your, your full name, how do you say it exactly? Okay. So, but it's, it's so funny that you ask cause it's like, um, since my family is like 50% Brazilians and Norwegians, like they say, say it completely differently. And I have names on my father's sides and my mother's sides. So oh. like for a Norwegian, 
you would say Lucas Pinheiro Bratten. Lucas <laughs> Pinheiro Bratten. Yeah, uh, that's more close. That's more close. <laughs> okay. Exactly. And then and then for a uh, Brazilian, you'd say Lucas Pinheiro Bratten or something like that. Like <laughs> okay. they wouldn't really get uh, pronounced okay. that right, you know. So is the so Pinheiro or Pinheiro or whatever is that? Um, does that come? From, which side of the family does that come from? That is the Brazilian. That's my okay. mom's name. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Because I'm always trying to make sure I I uh, pronounce names right. Um, right. Have... But the only like the only thing you need to know is like the double A. That's like from the Nor- in Broten, the Norwegian name. That's mm-hmm. an O, not a. Oh. You know. Oh. Broten. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Working on it. Do you have any nicknames? Um, Luke is for sure the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lukey also. Mm-hmm. And then when I was younger, uh, like all the coaches called me Lukey boy, <laughs> which is Lukey just like boy. super cringe. So yeah. I'm done with that. Do not quote me on that. But yeah. <laughs> I think we just start calling you Lukey boy. Get the <laughs> announcers of the races to okay, say it. I immediately regret telling you that. <laughs> or we can just call you the next one. You could do that. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. So for my <laughs> for, for my listeners who don't remember, uh, Lucas made a funny comment in an interview um, about being the next one, as in the next Norwegian star. And I mean, I don't think Henrik was super, he didn't seem to like that a whole lot. And we talked about last interview, we talked about how Henrik has his private team. So you, Lucas, don't train with him that much. And now Henrik has actually been struggling to be fast this year, at least as fast as he usually is. But the Norwegian GS team, you, Atle, Kilde, Life, is stronger than it's ever been. So my question would be, do you think Henrik would have benefited from skiing with you guys? To be honest, you know, I don't know him too well to, to give a proper answer to that. But okay. the only thing I do know is that for me personally, I like the whole reason why I ended up doing skiing it's just like traveling the world with friends and I could never do that on a solo team. So I benefit a lot from being a team, being mm-hmm. on tour with the boys is kind of my love for this sport. Um, and I need that. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this if I was on a solo team. And, but that's just my, that's just my preference, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, you could see Marcel, uh, Henrik, uh, Pintero, you know, they got solo teams. So for them, uh, that probably works out nice, but for me, that just wouldn't be it. Like, I need my friends, and I guess that's the only comment I could. Yeah, you know, I I feel like I feel the same way. You know, skiing for me is defined by the people I'm doing it with, and I would get right. so lonely if I it was just me, you know, and no one else. But I guess it works for exactly. them. Who knows though? Maybe. Um, but and so the other thing I was thinking about is not just about being lonely, but about you know, you guys are kind of pushing the leading edge of technique and gs and you, you all are kind of have this new era gs skiing and it seems like you know henrik is kind of in a boat on his own with his gs technique so you know just in terms of him being able to see something besides his own skiing while he's training right and 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 that's kind of you know one thing is just traveling with the boys like it being funny and it being you know, the, the times of our life traveling the world together. But the mm-hmm. other aspect of it, uh, where I think I benefit a lot is just getting compared to my friends all the time, like day in, day out. And, you know, we will have days where I'm ahead or where I'm behind 
or you know there will be this guy that um, rarely is the fastest but on that type of conditions or that type of course set mm -hmm. all of a sudden he's the fastest and and it's days like that you could kind of okay why does he ski so fast that day on that particular course set and exactly. then you could benefit from seeing these guys skiing you know and right. i think that is so important to learn from my fellow teammates um what type of skiing works in certain types of you know course sets conditions etc and so you know just pushing each other and learning from each other is the greatest benefit of being a team yeah definitely so there's kind of this this new school technique i i don't know that um that you know that's that's, that's fair to say yeah right and it's you guys have these like you're, you're skiing a little taller than people have traditionally skied it's it's more you know it's more visible and slalom but it's in gs2 and can you kind of describe this technique in a simple way for our listeners and explain why it's so fast yeah so you know it all it's it's funny that you mentioned that because um you know as many know, Ted Ligeti obviously was my biggest childhood star. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was watching him skiing. And that was obviously the, the transition going into the 35-meter radius skis. And we all know, you know, that crazy way of skiing with all those angles and that line and yep. all of that. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, that was just so cool. And I was like, I, I, my own, like, I didn't even care about, like, anything else. I just wanted to look <laughs> like that on a hill. Um, yeah. But, but, you know... I do review it a lot and I was like, I'm not going to be dumb and just like, cause it looks cool. Like I'm going to do it. So I started like, do I actually think this is efficient? And I was like, yeah, I do. But the thing is like, I have a radius of skis that are way shorter than his, like way, way shorter. At that time, that must've been like 13 meters shorter radius, you know? Yeah. So I, I, what I try to do is ski with his, like, that's not a word, but powerfulness <laughs> and, kind of uh, intensity and angle, but I'd try to do it in a, an extreme short line because I'd think that, you know, I could I could come in way lower than the other guys. And if I would do as much power through the arc, um, like Ted, I would think at least that I could create more speed going out of the turn and that I would have ski less meters. Okay. Um, so that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. But then I figure out that, you know, since I have these, radius like i was on a radius like 23 meters at the time and then eventually like up to 30 right now you know i didn't really need as much angle as you know ted exactly because ted so, was doing those big angles with the big 35 meter skis exactly exactly so i just try to adapt for my equipment you know mm -hmm. but 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 then when it came to slalom you know as you're talking about these high position like i've never skied high position i've done big angles all the time and i just didn't find that too efficient and i i was very vulnerable on my skis like i was you know booting out a lot and you know i'd have weak entrances because i'd use so much time in the transitions so i've kind of saw you know clement noel and i saw alex vinatzer was really yep. leading in these new school techniques you know right and i just try to narrow my stance get my ass up and i'd try that just to see if that's more efficient and it was way more efficient I'm way stronger and I think less vulnerable. And that's kind of the technique shift I did going into Zagreb, which was really my first, I think that was the first time I did points in Solomon and that was the sixth place. So it was just like before that New Year's time period, I started doing that in that preseason. 
and mm-hmm. it really worked out. And I'm just trying to build on that ever since. Cool. Well, you and you did end up winning a a run in the Kitzbühel Slalom, which was pretty cool last year. I talked to you a bit about that. But moving away from skiing a bit, your vlogs. <laughs> you, <laughs> I remember last time I talked to you, you said, "Oh, I'm thinking about doing some vlogs," and you dropped a vlog on your trip to Japan and your vlog on your preseason training. And that was in September. Are there any vlogs on the horizon? What's the status on? Uh, it's called Pin Hero Days. Right. Yeah. So I really want it to be. Uh, the only struggle is that since, you know, I'm going to blame this on COVID like I do on anything else. Um, <laughs> I'm not really able to, because what I want to do is like, if I want to do vlogs, I want to do it good. I'm not going to do shitty vlogs. I, I yeah. try to do everything I do. I want to do it properly. So um, I want it to be really high uh, quality, uh, and I want it to be good editing and I want it to be entertaining. Like I'm not going to post if it's not, uh, I'm just, I'm not going to post just to post, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I, I really, uh, need a media guy, a photographer or videographer, yeah. uh, which can help me out. Cause I'm not really able to be, um, training in a hill while filming and trying to get, you know, these behind the scenes of the guys and stuff. Like I need a guy. That's just there to do that. And due to COVID, I can't really have another guy um, with mm-hmm. us on tour to do that. Um, yeah. So that's the, that's the issue, uh, basically. So to be honest, it doesn't look too good in the closest um, <laughs> time, Okay, but, okay, that's fair. But coming to spring, um, definitely going to do that. Uh, starting spring skiing in Norway and stuff, that would be much easier. Yeah, and I've already talked to a guy that would help me out and stuff. A good friend of mine, which helped me out with some projects. So I'm really looking forward to that. Nice. Well, we'll look forward to that in the spring. And this is something that I talked about with uh, Victor Mufajande because he was saying, you know, F1 has this Netflix or this docu series. You know, all of these sports. Mm-hmm. Surfing has a a million different vloggers, um, and all these surfers have like their own you know, person who videos for them. And there's so many different sports out there that everyday people will watch because it shows up on their YouTube and there's just so much content out there. But that's a problem with skiing. It's like, there's just no content out there. And all of the pro, none of the pros have their own YouTube channel. So you could really be a pioneer in that way. Yeah. And that is my goal. Like, and it's not that I want to be like that guy who like that, like that's not my intention. It's basically just because I love it. I, just, I think it's so fun. And I want to show the guys the sick kind of days we have on tour because it is really crazy. Like our lifestyle is so cool, yeah. at least to me. And I, I would love to show that to people. And I think that I, I think my South Flavor was really nice and really cool. Like I enjoyed making that so much and there had good health and, um, and yeah, for fact, I'm, I am also going to transition into English now. Um, so more guys oh, you can are. see it and actually understand. Yeah, okay. I've gotten a lot of comments on that. And I do get that because like the Norwegian, I, I wanted it to be a startup to see if people actually clicked on it and it turned out people did. So yeah, yeah English is up next. Nice. Perfect. Because I, I watched it one and I was like, man, uh, I can't understand what they're saying. Um, exactly but it was still entertaining like like 20 yeah nice that's cool but yeah 20 percent of my following is norwegian the rest is speaking english so it doesn't Um, really make sense to do it in norwegian yeah and plus like 
everyone in Norway speaks such good English. Yeah, shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I remember being, when I went to Norway and Sweden, I remember being struck by how good everyone's English was. Does it seem like Norway and Sweden are kind of, in terms of pop culture, are influenced by the United States a lot? I think I think it's like, just from social media and stuff, like it's really globalized. Uh-huh. I think that helps out a lot. Like, but 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 that's I think that is like obviously in our in in schools in Norway, um, the subject English is really prioritized. So it's okay. it's really well, you know, compared to my family in Brazil, you'd have to go to private school to learn English. So the subject is really is really strong in Norway. But then social media has a great impact on that. So obviously my English is very much formed by social media and obviously. You know, my coach being out, out with dad, Felix, uh, since I was 11. But, um, you know, just my sister uh, at the age of 14, she speaks perfectly fine American English. And that's just from uh, gaming and watching YouTube videos and Netflix <laughs> series and stuff. And it's just like crazy. Yeah. So she just gets straight A's in school in English. And that's basically because of social media. That's kind of interesting. Do you Are you on TikTok? Well, you know, I don't really. You don't I, make I, videos. I, I'm, I'm. I'm I'm I, like, I'm intensely addicted, which is just like not good. <laughs> I'm the but, same way. Oh man. Yeah. Like who is it? Who yeah. isn't at this point? But you know, I really need to fix that problem. That is a huge problem. But in anyway, uh, uh, maybe I should start posting. I mean, it, it is a pretty fun platform, but I'm not really much of a TikToker yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you can say, you can save that. There's plenty of time for that. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how addicting it is. I keep deleting it. <laughs> So you mentioned COVID. Obviously, we have to talk about COVID. It's defining right. this year. And you said before we started the interview that you're not sure if you had it yet because you may have had it, you know, in the spring and just not known it. And so I'm, I need you to brainstorm with me on this one. And this might be controversial. But do you think there are some racers out there that have gotten it on purpose now or earlier <laughs> on so that they don't have to get it later? Oh, that is an aggressive claim. Um, <laughs> Should I stop it right there? Should we not like, talk about it? No, it's all right. But it wouldn't that be super crazy though? That would be crazy. Yeah. That would be super crazy. I can't like. And, okay, so okay, imagine though, like you just get a COVID uh, infected guy to just cough on you, and how <laughs> would you? Yeah, that? Like, <laughs> like that I, would be super crazy. I, I literally cannot think that anyone has done that. To be honest doing whatever it takes to win, you know, I'm, it's just like, I, I like, obviously it's possible, but I cannot say that I yeah. could think of anyone doing that but yeah. then again. You never know. Um, yeah. you never know, but Jesus, that would be mental. <laughs> that would be crazy. Okay. So to be clear, disclaimer here, I'm not suggesting any team has done this. I'm just having some fun. It's just a joke. Um, anyway, so you you skateboard a bunch, right? I do. Can you ollie? <laughs> I can ollie, yes. Sick. Can you kickflip? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Oh, that's sick. Can you drop in on a like five foot ramp? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I actually started off with uh, in pipes. So that was where how I got introduced to skating because mm-hmm. I just thought that that looked so wavy, you know, and so just like feel good. Yeah. So that's where I started, and then. Eventually, when I started getting comfortable in that, I started, you know, going on flat tricks, like doing ollies, as you say, 180s, kicks, etc. Gosh, yeah, because I so I've seen videos of you skateboarding and I on a trampoline doing 
insane flips and in a half pipe on skis actually. And I know you water ski too. So I'm similar in that way. I love a variety of sports like mountain biking, dirt biking, but all of these sports is, and it's the reason they're fun is they're also dangerous. So do you consider that when you're doing these other sports, like what the right balance is of having fun and pushing your limits, but not getting hurt? Of course. But you know, even though like that is a, you know, I think a lot of people would say that's an unprofessional way to look of it. But at the end of the day, the thing that gets me going is the adrenaline rush and it's uh, pushing boundaries and learning things that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing, like, that's the only reason why I do skiing. Cause it's like, you could never, you know, be, how can I say, you know, you could never learn everything in skiing. You could always be better. Yeah. You could always be a hundred of a second better. Right. Uh, like, you know, Marcel, like he's won everything but he could always be better. And that's just why ski became my main sport because it's just a continuous grind that never ends. And, um, but then if skiing would have limited me to not do all these other activities and push boundaries and all these other activities and sports that I love, I would never do it. Uh, cause I need the variety in sports. So if that would have uh, put a stop on that, then I would never do skiing. So that's just gonna, have to be but as you say yes you do have to be a bit like smart so obviously when it comes to skating uh, i do kickflip but i won't do kickflip down a 10 stair you know yeah. <laughs> like because then yeah. you snap your ankle so yeah. you know i do like those types of things yes i try to be a bit smart okay do you jump down a 10 stair uh just with a normal ollie no i wouldn't <laughs> no i'm not there so has anyone ever any coaches or parents or anybody ever said, Hey, you should take it easy. And you have to kind of be like, no, this is what I like to do. I mean, the most, I guess <laughs> the most have, yeah. um, but you know, they never said like, you can't like, just don't be a dumbass, you know, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, I'm just going to be a dumbass because it's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well. Right. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's not worth losing. Like, you know, a joy of life over, whatever exactly exactly that's what i keep telling them and it's tough too because now i mean you've gone from skiing just being something you do to it being like a career you ever think about that about how you know this is kind of your job obviously like that's a big transition yeah um but my pursuit of trying to be the best skier has always been so intense so i've kind of always thought of it you know, ending up being my profession and being my everything. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of feel like it always have to, like since I started. So the transition didn't really f- end up feeling too, too huge, actually. Um, and I try to not let that impact me either. Like, I just want to be the same guy that enjoys skiing just as much as he did, just because, you know, just like the day when, when I weren't elected for a national team. You know, yeah. I, 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 I look at this sport just the same way uh, to this day. And I hope I can do that for the rest of my career too. I like that. And that's a perfect segue for my next little segment here. So forgetting about skiing for a second, I want to know who Lucas Broughton is as a regular 20-year-old kid. And <laughs> luckily, I have some inside sources. I did my research. So What? Yep, yep. So... I'm going to rattle off a few words and you just tell me about them. Okay. 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 First girls. 
Oh man. Come on. You can say you could say no comment if you want. I feel like the girl question could only do me bad, so I'm gonna say no comment. Okay, moving on. Uh gaming. I heard you're a big gamer, Call of Duty. Define big gamer. I'm a big gamer, but I suck. Oh I, I never I never get better. It's just like I'm just as good in Call of Duty. Like since the day I started. So it's a huge pain in the ass. But, you know, just getting on with the boys and um, in a lobby and just go total ape in Warzone is just the best thing. So, you know, in that matter, I may be a big gamer. Yeah. Okay. So it and it's probably like it's one of the few things you're not good at. So it's probably like this fascination for you. Uh, and it's it sucks. Like it, it grinds. It, it's it's not fun. But damn, yeah. Well, you know, you could you could start streaming. That's another way to get some content out, get the, you know, get more people aware of ski racing. Like it seems like anyone can build a following on, you know, you know, streaming their gaming. Yeah, well, obviously I've thought of that, Jimmy, but I suck, so it doesn't really help. <laughs> well, you know, I could do a I could do a stream with you for our next interview. I could do a stream with you and I'm awful, and so it could just be kind of funny. Okay, that's better. Yeah. Okay, why don't why don't you why don't we talk about that in the spring then? Like I'm totally up for that. Okay, this spring I'll figure out how to do a gaming stream. My like, brother, my brother's a streamer. He's on YouTube. Um, okay, so he knows how to fix it. He can he can set me up and Thank show you. me how to play. Um, okay, that's a date. It's a date. All right, sick. On to our third word. I was given the word clothes. I guess you are a fashion. You know, you like fashion. <laughs> Yeah, I do. Uh, a little bit too much, I guess. <laughs> you spend some cash on it? Unfortunately, a bit too much. Yeah. Well, what's too much? I mean, if you're you, you earned it, you're having some fun. Why not? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I believe that you should use your money on what makes you happy. And it makes, makes me way too happy feeling <laughs> nice. So, you know, <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> we need some more. I mean, I keep talking about what's lacking in ski racing. Like, you know, obviously ski racing is a sweet sport, but like to bring some more character to the sport, we need people dressing in a more, you know, you look at basketball, basketball, everyone used to dress the same. And then exactly. a certain couple of people came on, you know, Russell Westbrook, and everyone's you know dressing and it's it, it's more fun for everyone watching well then you should wait in about a week or two weeks because i'm actually dropping something that is like super not skiing so that will contribute to that i like that all right everyone stay tuned for that our fourth word is college so i heard you're still intrigued by the idea of getting the full college experience <laughs> Okay, so you've definitely been talking to Ole. I'm not going to name my source. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, starting when I started getting serious with skiing, you know, me and my dad kind of laid a plan. Like, um, plan A was obviously ending up on a World Cup circuit and making a living out of that. And then the plan B would um, go to college, uh, mm -hmm. getting a, you know, great, get some great studies out of. Uh, my skiing abilities or, you know, level of skiing. But then obviously I have so many friends that have started attending at college, like upon all these years. And now my friends at my own age are starting college and, uh, man, it's just tough to, 
like it's so like i get so much shit for this because mm-hmm. like you know shut the up like you're in the world cup like everyone wants to do like yes i'm super glad that i'm here but you know college is like i really want to have that experience too and i just and it's and it's also you know having the security of getting a degree in something like yeah. that would also be like super comforting and you don't really have that with skiing and um you know it's a yeah, it's a bit bit of a tough one, but uh, yeah, for sure, college would be a dream. <laughs> yeah, and that's a tough thing to think about too, you know, because you you have this what looks to be a long ski racing career ahead of you, but if you get to the end of it and you really wish you you had a degree or you went to college, but you also had this amazing career, it's a hard thing to kind of you know balance and say what do, what do I want and what do I want to sacrifice yeah. for it. I think you can go to a division three school, like a USCSA school in the U S no matter how old you are. I think you can ski for them no matter how old you are. I remember Robbie Kelly Mm. is skiing for a D three school. So you could, you know, get to, you would, however old and then finish your career, win a bunch of world cups and then come crush some kids and get the college experience. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. But it's just like, I also like, like that is super cool that you have that opportunity and and you know it's it's super good that that's possible but at the age of like 30 or 35 like whatever like at that age um i do want to you know not build a degree in order to make a living out of something like i yeah. want to be already doing that so yeah have you thought about really what you want to do after skiing um i i would love to do something with property i think cuz my dad has a lot of uh, like he could help me out a lot there like he's done many projects throughout his career and i found it really cool to start from um like a property that's kind of shabby and kind of turning that into something that looks so much nicer and so much cooler and make it so attractive and flip it like i think mm-hmm. that that is such cool project and i'm actually in on a project with my dad as of now so that's pretty fun and nice. so something in between like something with property i think would be really cool and you know i just i love content creation i think that's so fun so something you know making edits or you know whatever it would be like creating content i think is really fun or something within fashion i think would be like those are the three i think interesting that i'd have to consider yeah Yeah. those are really wide though when i think about it but i love them all yeah why not you know you've got got a ton of time to decide and you could do more than one so exactly. as we start to wrap this up, my last one of my last questions to you is about your impact. And so now that you have this platform and this popularity and success, have you thought about, you know, you're still only the beginning of your career, so you have plenty of time, but have you thought about how you want to give back? Uh, yeah, um, I am actually on a project when it comes to that now. Um, cool. And uh, it is going to be this spring. I can't really tell you what it is. Okay. But I'm so looking forward to it. And I've always wanted to do it since I've kind of, you know, gone pro or whatever, even though that sounds really cheesy. But um, I wanted to have a, you know, a a statement kind of result, like some a podium at least before I went on with that project. So yep. I think three days after Solden, I was like, okay, I'm doing this now because I really want to. And it's going to be in a collaboration with my skiing brand and 
someone else and stuff and it's going to be super cool and but i promise you guys see it when um it goes public and i think it will be really fun so just stay tuned for that but it will take place this spring well we have a lot to stay tuned for we have the clothes thing we have the gaming thing we have the vlog we have that there's a whole so everyone you know keep uh lucas on your mind we will keep rooting for you on the World Cup. I I have to root for my American guys first, but um, <laughs> you, I mean how that's it should be. That's how it should be. But um, <laughs> I do wish you the best, and hopefully our paths will cross soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. So that is the second time I've had Lucas on my podcast. The first was when I hosted for Ski Racing Media in the spring. Huge thank you to him for taking the time to come on the pod. I know he's a fan, like we talked about, of getting more ski racing content out there. There's just not enough. Not enough video, not enough podcast, not enough anything. And actually, we talked for a bit after the interview about all of this. He's really passionate about it, and he's trying to make some changes, which is cool. Now, you know what time it is. It's time to get historical with our Skiing History Segment of the Week. Joining me this time is certified ski racing author, historian, former World Cup racer, and genuine intellectual, Edie Tease Morgan. All right, Edie Tease Morgan, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Psyched you're back. Well, welcome to Arc City, which is the new place, I guess. Um, you were on the old show, and uh, so this is your second time back. You're a pro. And I want to ask you about this story you mentioned to me about Erica uh, Schinniger. Am I saying that right? Yes, you're saying okay. it right. Um, so this is sort of endlessly fascinating. Um, I first heard about Eric. Uh, Schinniger, mm-hmm. um, when I was going to the 1987 world championships and they were, our first stop was gender testing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of jokingly said like, what, <laughs> really? There's a question. Yeah. Come on, and yeah. one of the journalists that was traveling with us said, oh yeah, there was, there was an Erica who won the world championships. And then they found out that Erica wasn't Eric. And, um, so they do gender testing now. So mm-hmm. like, okay, I didn't think much else of it. Um, and then just, just learned a little, talked to the journalist a little more afterwards. I was like, wow, that, that's really, that's really intriguing. So then flash forward, I'm writing for skiing history, um, a few years ago. And I don't know why it came. I think it came up again because, um, Semania was, was in the news and sort of gender things and Olympic sports. And, mm-hmm. um, so I looked into it more and, uh, found out the story and it was, it's pretty wild. So, um, she, Erica, she was born the, biologically as a raised as a girl, right? She was raised as a girl. Mm-hmm. She was born in this little farm town of Augsdorf in Austria. And <laughs> the midwife sort of came out and said, here's your daughter. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there was, there was question at the start and her mother, you know, when you, when you go back, the, the mother says, yeah, I, I kind of knew that something was up, but they, you know, they didn't, they didn't really know. They didn't say anything and not a lot of doctors out there. So then she's 14 in school and, and notices a lump, which, you know, they later think is probably a testicle. 
um, called it a hernia. So go, then goes on huh. ski racing and is this crazy, incredible rise to the, like she, she, you know, she and some, some friends, just some other guys decide to like walk 10 miles to the, the train and then go to a ski race. And she starts in the three hundreds and wins the thing. So just a huge, hugely fast rise through the ranks ends up getting in the Austrian team wins the 1966 world championship downhill mm-hmm. in Portillo and really was poised after that to, um, that, you know, they thought going into the 68 Olympics, might win three medals. I mean, cause she was, you know, winning and training by so much and, um, she was kind of it and concurrent to that. Um, the Olympic committee was, was getting concerned about East Germans and, and the, the Ru- Russians doing the you know, Soviets doping block doing the doping. Mm-hmm. So they introduced gender testing prior to the 68 Olympics. So Erica was at a training oh. camp in, I think all the all the athletes had to go through Innsbruck, get tested. She went to a training camp and gets called back from the training camp, and they're like, "You you got to." She 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 shows up in this office and it's a at the Innsbruck. I think it's the medical, the hospital or something. Mm-hmm. And there's a tribunal of like six men, the doctors, coaches, and they're saying, "You're you're not a girl. You're a guy. You got to sign this paper and you got to go away. We prearranged for you to do this. You know, a trip." <laughs> to an island until this blows over and you know, you're out. Wow. So she was totally shocked. Um, Cause she herself thought she was a woman. She herself, I mean, you know, through puberty, she sort of had her doubts, but she's, she's carrying on and her teammates, you know, mm-hmm. but they are like, well, she's very manly. She has an odd hairstyle. She doesn't mm-hmm. walk to, <laughs> like a, like a girl. Okay. Carl Schranz was, uh, you know, he would he would say, oh, you know, nobody could get this. I think she came close to beating him one run. Like, oh, that can't be a woman. So there there were things like that that were said, mm-hmm. but but everyone thought she was a, a woman. So the deal was, she said, I'll I'll do that. I'll sign it, but I want to come back here under a different name and get all the tests, and I want to find out what I am. So she goes back to Innsbruck and they do you know, a week of test. I don't know why it was a week of testing, but they, it comes back, you're a guy. So and they look at the chromosomes, I guess, right? Whether it's yes. X, Y or yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, so then the Austrian ski federation, Kneisel, they're offering to pay for, she could have gone either way at that point. She could have taken hormones and had plastic surgery and gone on as a woman. Mm-hmm. But the doctor said, you'll never really be a woman. You know, you are a guy. Okay. And so she said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be who I'm not. And she checked herself back in January 4th of 68 to Innsbruck hospital and, and was there for six months, had four surgeries, um, no visitors, I think, except for her mother came like, so just totally alone. And emerged in June, you know, in some clothes that she'd bought under her cousin's name from a catalog. And, you know, she sort of looked at videos of of, of men skiing, still planning to go back to ski racing, um, and looked at sort of et- etiquette. I think I forget what the name is in Germany, Knigge or something about sort of etiquette, what how men behave. Mm-hmm. Bought a Porsche and uh, <laughs> emerged as a man. <laughs> of course. So she became he, and he was now Eric. He was now Eric. So then Eric fully wanted to ski um, 
for the Austrian team as a man and started going down that path. Had a lot of resistance from the Austrian Ski Federation, except for one coach, I think it was Hans Gammon was his name, who welcomed him to the training camp. It was super awkward, not really for the athletes, but the, the coaches never sort of, and so he was pretty much railroaded out of the training camps. Tried to come back, won, I think, three Europa Cups as a guy. So wow, and that's impressive, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, his equipment would start disappearing. Um, just they were really working. They just wanted him to go away. Ugh. So he finally did. Mm. Um, and then ended up getting a ski school instructed, running his running the ski school um, at a place called Simon Ho, where he, you know, where he grew up. Um, but it was it was bad, too. Like, so so go back, you know, when he won the world championships, the toast of the town or she Mm-hmm. The town gave him a, her a two acre plot where she put the, you know, her restaurant or pension and all that. Well, they took it all back when oh. he was, she became a he they said, oh, well, that was given to Erica, not to Eric. Um, so it was, it was pretty bad. So they, he, but he ran the ski school, very successful ski school, got married to a woman, mm-hmm. had a child like himself. Um, and, you know, living a, you know, sort of, you know, just living life as a man. Yeah. Um, came out with a book about it in 88, I think, called Mind Sieg Uber Mick. So my, my victory over myself. And that was, it, it sort of skim coded. It told the story. Um, and like it was a victory, like he figured it out. But then this documentary came out in um, 2005 that really went into like, he revisited everything. He went back mm-hmm. and talked to his former teammates. He talked to the coaches. He talked to the doctors. And that's wow. pretty fascinating. That really yeah, revealed, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, revealed the way it went down. And it, was, it wasn't pretty. I mean, I, I'm surprised he came through it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's unbelievable how he was treated. Well, it seems that nowadays it's a lot more accepted and people understand more about transgender people or just, you know, circumstances like that than they did back then. It's a bummer that it had to have happened back then than now and I would have more hope for nowadays. Right. And I think, you know, if it, I think it says somewhere in the article, but like it, it, now you can choose, I think how, how you, they don't do the gender testing. They don't do gender testing anymore. Not, what's that? They don't do gender testing anymore. They don't as of 96, I think the Atlantic Olympic, Atlanta Olympics, they stopped it altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll test, and they were testing with for testosterone levels. I don't think they even do that. I think now you can, you know, choose what what you want to race as mm-hmm. or compete as. But can uh, a man but, can't uh, transition to being a woman and then race, can he, or or can they? Uh, ha, yeah, I, I guess I don't know enough about super it. Super sure on that. I don't yeah. think so. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you. You know, you're not going to run into a lot of people raising their hand to <laughs> want to do that. Yeah. Um, but then they did make a, a feature film in Germany about it. And I think it was re- released in 2018. Um, oh, really? haven't seen that yet, but uh, you know, if you can get your hands on the documentary, it's, it's just, it's fascinating to talk to, talk to the teammates too. And the, and, and even the, the, you know, Maria Goichel from France was the one in 1966 who, got second in the, in the downhill 
to Erica Mm -hmm. and then was awarded the medal later. She's nobody blamed her at all. They're like, they, they blamed, you know, they, they sort of think that the coaches knew and just wanted to keep that medal for Austria and were just rolling with it because it was good for Austria and for the national pride. Mm -hmm. Um, but nobody, nobody's like, Oh, she was trying to, you know, pull something over on us at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a fascinating and, story. Yeah. Thank you. I, you, you mentioned there is this Erica Schinniger and I, so I, I did a quick Google search before, you know, I talked to you and I went from, oh, this is the same as Lindsey Vaughn's story where Lindsey Vaughn wanted to race with the men. I didn't quite understand what you said in the email. And then I yeah. read the quick Wikipedia page. I went, oh, wow, that's fascinating. Okay. So, um, thank you for that for that story and we hope to hear from you we we will be hearing from you i i I hope um in the future so thank you outstanding and and just a little plug for skiing history anyone that wants to know more skiing history you young guns should subscribe to skiing history magazine subscribe get it online it's easy a lot of good stuff in there support support the you know the local ski like you know skiing history it's it's not that big a thing it needs your support yeah So Edie and I did a really cool in-depth look at the college racing pipeline back in the spring for a Ski Racing This Week episode, and I'm hoping to do another deep dive, perhaps something concerning racing during COVID times. So we're brainstorming. Something may come of it, something may not. Just keep tuning in to find out. Also, you can buy the book Edie wrote called Shut Up and Ski. It's on Amazon. And you can check out her blog at racerx.com. That's racerex.com. And you're bound to come across one of her articles on SkiRacing.com. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's from. Mail reading time. Okay, first up, I got an email from a gunner who writes, Just listened to the episode with Steven, not Steve, and thought it was great. Would love to hear more about upcoming guests you have planned for the pod. Is the focus going to be primarily with athletes or are you planning on having coaches, parents of athletes, industry folks on as well? Keep it up and good luck this winter. Well, Gunnar, thanks for the note. I don't plan too far ahead with these things. Actually, I don't have anything planned for next episode, but there will be a next episode. But it seems like people loved my deep dive episodes I did for ski racing media with industry folks. So maybe I'll do that next What I can promise you is that it's not going to be just athletes. I'm going to branch out, do some other stuff. A Will messaged me. Just wanted to say podcast is great. Looking forward to next episode. And I gave him some inside information on the next episode. AKA this episode. That's what happens sometimes when you reach out. A Benjamin said, Mario Kart, crying laughing emoji, ha 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 which you might get if you listen to my call with Paula Moulton last episode. Um, or if you hear me say it, Mario Kart. Anyway, I got a couple other very nice messages that I really appreciated. Like, glad you're back. You're killing it. Another gold one. As you guys know, I always respond. I love to hear your questions, suggestions, and grievances. And you can always shoot those to arccityjimmy at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram at Jimmy underscore who underscore. So that's it for this week. I'm psyched that so many people are visiting me here in the wonderful metropolis that is Arc City. 
I hope you'll keep coming back, and in the meantime, don't forget to savor the joy of skiing, whether it's actually arcing turns or simply watching it or listening to a podcast about it. We are lucky this sport exists, especially right now. So until next time, I'm Jimmy Krupka, and thank you for visiting Arc City. Arc City.